This episode of the Alex Speaks podcast is sponsored by my aunt, Heather McMillan. She doesn't have a business, but she wants to say that she is proud of me and that she loves me. This episode of the Alex Speaks podcast is also sponsored by the Click Photography. My mom owns the Click Photography and she has been doing it for over a year. It is senior pictures time and the Click Photography offers amazing photography services at great prices. For information, contact the Click Photography at theclickphotography24 at gmail.com. And now on to the episode. Welcome to Alex Speaks, the number one rated interview podcast in Sacramento by an 11-year-old. Each week, Alex brings you insight, advice, and wisdom from Capital City community leaders and his mom. And now the host of Alex Speaks, Alex Grievous. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alex Speaks podcast. I am your host, Alex Grievous. Last episode, I interviewed Courtney Dempsey, who is a news anchor at Good Day Sacramento. We discussed waking up early and the news stories that she has done there. I have a a new guest that I'm going to introduce soon. I have some announcements this week. I've already stopped, my summer has stopped and I'm going back to to school this week. I found out who my teacher is and I'm ready for the sixth grade. My book, Awesomely Aaron, releases on September 13th. I'm hosting a book release party and my more details will come soon. My family is going to Disneyland in October. We are going to Star Wars Land California Adventure in the main park. This is my second time at Disneyland. It is joke time. As always, I am going to tell a joke and I have asked my guests to bring a joke. My joke is why couldn't the skeleton go to the dance? Because he had no body to dance with. It's it's rarely that people actually get it right. <laughs> Mr. Dixon, what's your joke? You know, I didn't bring a joke, Alex, but I did want to share some of my summer reading with you. I've been reading some great books. I read a book. uh, It's funny you should talk about start of school. Uh, I read a book um, entitled uh, The Beginning Beginning of Class uh, by an author called Wendy Belgoes. And then I read another book called My Favorite Class at School by... Gym class. That's that's where I, that's kind of cool. It's class and then class. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I have known my next guest since the second grade. My guest is my principal, Mr. Richard Dixon. Richard Dixon was born in East London two months after the moon landing in 1969. In school, he played sports such as football, that's soccer in the U.S., rugby, and cricket. He loved math and science. When he was in elementary school, he wanted to be an architect. Before he was a teacher and before he was a principal, Mr. Dixon worked for a stockbroking firm in the city of London. It's like Wall Street in the in New York. While he traded stocks and managed investment portfolios, he decided he wanted to attend a university and attended the University of Sheffield in London studying history. After college, Mr. Dixon started a teaching position to support English language and learning in the country. 
This is where he knew he wanted to become an educator. While in Japan, Mr. Dixon met his wife, a Japanese-American woman named Debbie. They moved to Sacramento to begin, to begin their life there. Mr. Dixon started teaching in Sacramento in 2003 at the Cesar Chavez Elementary School in Middleview. And then he taught 5th and 6th grade at Liatata Floyd Elementary. Mr. Dixon was the principal at Washington Elementary School, but after that close, he became the principal at my school, David Lubin Elementary. Mr. Dixon's wife teaches in Sacramento at William Land Elementary, and they have a, a daughter named Isabel who's going to be a junior at West Campus High School. Mr. Dixon loves to travel, eat exotic food, and he loves the Totem Ham Hotspur Football Club in the English Premier League. That's a long name. Yes, it is. And the Seattle Seahawks of the NFL. Welcome, Mr. Dixon. Thank you for such a wonderful uh, introduction, Alex. I really appreciate that, and it's great to be with you. No problem. We always welcome guests of all different kinds of people. Like, we interviewed Miss Y, and then, like, interviewed of like a cartoonist and then yeah so we so we want people to be on our podcast it's a, it's a wonderful uh, enterprise alex and uh, it's great to be a part of it okay so now it is question time and so miss are you ready i am ready okay so you begin a career working in stocks and portfolios which is completely different than being a principal what was your favorite thing about working with money well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I did like that when, you know, when you work with money, um, it was a very competitive environment and, and there was a, there was a clarity, there was a clearness mm -hmm. to whether you were successful or whether you weren't successful, either you met, you managed your client's portfolios to where they increased in value or you managed the portfolios leading to a decrease in value. So mm -hmm. The criteria for success, what was success, was was always very clear, and and I appreciated that. Although some of the aspects of the competitive nature of, of the work I, I didn't like as much, but um, you you didn't need someone else to tell you if you were being successful. That's interesting. Yeah. I never thought that that would actually kind of be successful. I mean, not successful, but like competitive. I didn't mean to say successful, but like. I never thought it would be like competitive. Yes, yes. It was it was a, a different time. You know, it was the late '80s, and um, you know, I think um, perhaps more so than now, um, success was really exclusively defined by you know the the material success. Hmm. Um, it's interesting to look back on it and hopefully see that we've we've grown some since then. Yeah, I think that's good. So, how do you deal with kids coming in your office when they have challenges challenges in class in the classroom or at recess? So, um, you know, when when students come in, it's it's really important to me that they feel that they feel listened to and they feel heard by me. Um, I think every person at our school, uh, adult or child, has a right to due process. That means. I'm not going to hear something from someone else and just assume 
those things are the facts when I haven't heard from everyone who was able to observe or had first-hand knowledge, um, witness participation in an event. Um, so I want I want kids to feel that they're going to get that from me, and, and it's important that I establish that with them right at the start. That you know they're going to have a chance to share with me what what they have to say, and and you know we're going to uh, collect the facts before we you know think about any future steps. And the other thing I, I want them to know is you know that I, I really want to build their ability to advocate for themselves so that um, you know if they've had a problem with an adult or a problem with another student you know we'll talk about at what points um, the student could have said or done something to appropriately um, speak up for their own perspective and share their own perspective um, and then ultimately if we have a, a case where several students are involved um, you know I want to bring those students together and I want them to be able to advocate for each other with me in the room so in a, in a safe space uh, but I, I, I don't want to just be telling student B that when student A uh, was targeted by something they'd done that student that student felt badly about it I want the student concerned to be able to say that um, to help all of our students understand the impact of their actions on others um, and to be able to advocate for themselves in the future. So, like Ms. Yaisaki, you lived in Japan for a while teaching kids. She didn't like typhoon season. What was your favorite part about Japan and what was your least favorite part? My favorite part of Japan. Um, so I lived in a part of Japan um, the foot of the Japanese Alps. So um, lots of mountains and lots of opportunities to go skiing, which I really appreciated. And actually, uh, one of my favorite things was that uh, schools in that area of Japan have a uh, skiing day or even uh, a skiing week where the whole school goes up to the mountains and skis together. That sounds fun. It was really fun and it was a great bonding experience so that you know when you come back to school you know you have a, an even better relationship with the kids um, the least favorite part I think the least favorite part might have been some of the strange things I, I had to eat uh, because you know you, you you want to eat everything that's put in front of you because you don't want people to, to lose face if you say no thank you but um, let's see I ate uh, crickets I ate uh, sautéed bee larvae and I ate raw horse meat when I was in Japan so not all of those things were, were my favorite. Hmm. You ate crickets? Uh, just a couple of times actually when I arrived in Japan um, for the first time my neighbors brought me the crickets because it's uh, it's part of the culture that you bring a new uh, resident uh, a gift just as it's part of the culture that I bring my new neighbors a gift. So my, my, one of my neighbors brought around the crickets. So, of course, we sat down together to eat. And um, it, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> so at our school, David Lubin ben has, they have many types of different kids. Besides that, what makes David Lubin so special? 
I think that is what makes David Lubin special. I think our, our great city of Sacramento is, is so vibrant in its diversity. Um, by many measures, uh, it's the most diverse large city in North America. And I think our school represents that. So you know, we're black, we're white, we're deaf and hard of hearing. We are students with autism. We are deaf and hard of hearing students. We are everything our great city is. And we think kids learn best when they learn together. And I think that's the wonderful opportunity we have at David Lubin is to do just that. Yeah, my, me and, like I, I've said on the podcast a lot, like me and my mom like inclusion. Like we like people being included in like sports or like activities. Like if they can play basketball, they like, but they can't play basketball because like they because like the other people say like they have a certain abil- disability or something. I we try to make them still play basketball because they want to have the experience of playing basketball. So we tr- always like try to like be positive about it and like try to make them be in the sport or like in the activity that other people can do. Well, I think that's why David Lubin is a special place, Alex, is because of special kids like yourself and just what you said there is, is you know, that's, that's what our community believes. Our community wants that for its own children and its neighbor's children. So you don't get a lot of free time as a principal because like you're always working and like you're super busy, but you said that you love to travel. So where's your favorite place to go and why? So I I would have to say Japan. Um, I lived in Japan from 1995 to 1998 and I went back to Japan for the first time in 20 years last summer. Uh, so I was able to go with my wife and daughter, and, and my wife and I met in Japan, and we were able to go to the very spot uh, outside of uh, Matsumoto train station, uh, where we met for the first time all those years ago. It had, it had changed tremendously, but um, it was still wonderful. It's, 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 it's an incredible country. Um, there, is, there are so many things about Japan that are ultra-modern and incredibly new. Uh, we traveled the country on the Shinkansen high-speed bullet train, which uh, isn't isn't new in its invention. It was invented in the 1960s, but obviously has been uh, has been updated. So it's it's a that's a wonderful example of um, the latest technology. But then in the country, there's also things that are ancient and very old, and often they're just side by side. And and the Japanese people see both as, as just a, a regular part of their life and um, it's a place where I, where, I, where I always learn and of course uh, you know it's, it's, it's that place where I first met my wife so it's very special to me. I've always wanted to go to Japan. What, what do you know about Japan? Well, the, well I love like the style of like Japanese things like I yes. like I like the ancient like artifacts and like I I sometimes like when I'm reading, I'll see them in a book. I'm like, oh, these are interesting. I I might look at these, and so like it. I think it's really cool because, like, I heard that Japan is like big, or like not really. We like, and then like I want to go to Tokyo, because like that's the main. Because like always people say like, you should go to Tokyo. Like it's really fun. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great city, Alex. Um, I, I think you'll go one day. I really do. Yeah. So David Lubin has been really helpful for me since I'm on the autism spectrum. So how do you make sure that all the, all the students with all levels of disabilities feel welcome and included at your school? Well, I think I think you know that's that's the belief of our of our community. So that you know we we are fortunate that that kids, you know our our, our kids first teachers are their parents, and you know our kids come having been taught that um, you know every student deserves respect, every student deserves an opportunity to learn and fulfill their amazing potential. So we're already working with kids, uh, you know, from kindergarten who who have been taught that by their parents and their families. Um, and then I think we do some things here that uh, enhance that. Um, for example, uh, you know, in fourth grade, uh, you might remember, Alex, we have something, uh, a partnership uh, with a, an organization called A Touch of Understanding, where uh, on a day, uh, those folks will bring, you know, wheelchairs, uh, sensory headgear so that, um, the kids can can try it on and get a get a sense of, of, of the sort of the sensory overload that some of our students can can feel and it's hard to listen to a, a specific person talking when there's that sense of noise coming from all different directions and um, experiences like that um, we think um, help our kids develop empathy for others and then of course the most important thing is that you know, kids are, are together so often. They're together in, in learning spaces. They're together at recess. They're together at PE. They're together on field trips. So we think all of those things contribute to you know what hopefully all of our students feel that that you know they can, they can be themselves here. You, know, you can you can be a kid at David Lubin and, and you know just explore and develop your potential and, and not be judged by anybody. Yeah. Okay, so your daughter Isabel goes to Sacramento. Were you ever her teacher? No, I was not. Um, she she was a student here at David Lubin um, when she was in sixth grade, but uh, I was I was no longer in the classroom at that point. I was uh, serving as David Lubin principal. She was also a student at my wife's school, but again, my wife wasn't her teacher either. I think we both thought that probably wouldn't be a great idea. <laughs> My mom was like, that would be a little weird. <laughs> it would. Um, you know, we're fortunate here at David Lubin. Uh, a lot of our teachers, you know, have their kids here as students, which I think um, really helps us see our children and our neighbor's children. Um, but I can't remember a single example where a teacher has taught their own child. I feel like that's probably something they will try to avoid. And uh, I think I can I can I can think why that they thought that was a good idea because my wife and I we did the same. <laughs> so, what is your the most exotic food you've ever eaten, and where did you eat it at? So I once ate a snake when I was in uh, Vietnam. I went to uh, a part of Vietnam called the Mekong Delta. And you know you're you're quite quite far away from uh, you know a, a city environment, so um, you know you you eat what 
the people in in the area eat and and on this occasion it was it was snake and um you know i was i was definitely hungry enough to to try anything and <laughs> i can say that i don't remember it tasting like chicken because they always say everything tastes like chicken snake tastes like chicken i don't remember that i think it, it had a distinct flavor and um yeah it was uh, it was okay <laughs> but I, I suppose that's you described that as exotic perhaps yeah so in your biography you mentioned that you play cricket what is cricket Cricket, um, I think cricket has some similarities to baseball. Um, it's it's a long game. It's a game of innings, and it's a game of outs. Um, there are some important differences. Um, somebody uh, pitches, but we don't call it pitching. We call it bowling. Um, the ball will usually bounce before it comes to you, and then you will have to hit the ball with your bat and hit it far away from the fielders so that you can run between the wickets which are 22 yards long so in other words somebody pitches to me or bowls to me i have to hit the ball into gaps between the fielders to give me enough time and my partner as well to both run to the end of the wicket at least once and that's how you score okay so in your biography Oh, wait, no, I already did that. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. You, you wanted to be an architect in school. What kind of student are you? Well, were you? Hmm, that, that's a good question. I think, I think when I was very interested in the topic, I think I was a very good student. Um, but I think when I wasn't interested in, in the topic or, or the content, um, I think I was very distracted, and I think I distracted others. So um, I think it depends on what subject it was. Um, if it was something connected to architecture and math and science, were both connected to architecture in my mind. Um, you know, I, I was a hardworking student, but there were there were some subjects where I wasn't quite so hardworking. So that helps me understand sometimes when you know some of our students here at David Lubin uh, are having trouble uh, focusing. Um, Sometimes I, I think of the times I had trouble focusing and see if I can, I can help them. So I'm curious to know, do you play video games? If so, what kind of games do you play? Uh, I, I, I play occasionally uh, some video games. Um, for example, here at David Lubin, um, for students with four attendance for the year, we, we bring a video game truck on, and um, you know the kids can play. You know, there's probably ten or twelve systems in the truck, uh, playing all different games. So um, I usually like driving games because those are the games where I can usually figure out the rules. Because usually we're driving around a track, we're trying to overtake people. There's an accelerator. There's uh, there's a there's a break. Uh, of course, sometimes you can pick up things and fire them at people or drop them behind you. So I'm normally a bit slower picking that up. But um, I like uh, driving games the best because you know usually I've played some some kind of version of it before, so I can sort of hit the ground running kind of thing. I let, my favorite driving game is Mario Kart. I love Mario Kart. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. It's competitive. 
It's very competitive, <laughs> yeah. And of course, when you're about to cross the finish line and somebody sends something that knocks you off the track, it's, yeah. it's very frustrating. You feel like you didn't get what you deserved, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so my final question is, if you could tell your 11-year-old self what, anything, what would you say? That's an amazing question. Um, I think I would say to him that, um, you know, always, always be open to new experiences. Be open to new friendships. Be open to, to new opportunities, um, to learn new things. Um, I would definitely tell him that because when I was, I think in, when I was 11, I met um, a couple of friends who are still my best friends. So I, I think, imagine if I'd been closed to those friendships. If, imagine on, on the days where we first connected that, you know, I'd, I'd been a, in a, a negative place and I had thought that I don't, I don't really want to speak to anybody. I don't want to get to know any new people. Um, you know, I might have lost, you know, what's been a lifetime friendship uh, or two for me. So uh, I definitely would give my 11-year-old self the advice there were times when he didn't need it, like when he made those two friends. But um, there were other times where I think my younger self was not not open to something new. And um, I think we always want to be open to something new because you never know where it can lead. So that's my regular questions, but now I'm going to ask you 10 quick questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do you prefer American football or soccer? Soccer. Favorite day of the week? Saturday. Favorite food? Sushi. Favorite drink? Lemonade. Favorite TV show? Right now, Game of Thrones. I've, I'm on the uh, seventh season. Favorite t-shirt to wear? Uh, I like to wear David Lubin Jogathon t-shirts. I've got six of them. I have three. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both get another one uh, this October. Yeah. So, favorite singer? Prince. Favorite song? Let me think. Um, I like the Beatles song, Help, because we all need some help sometimes. First car? My first car was a 1978 Morris Marina back mm. in uh, East London. Mm. Unfortunately, when the, within a few months of spending every penny I had getting it on the road, I'd crashed it. Yeah. So when you pass your driving test, that, maybe that's what I'd say to my 11-year-old self. When you pass your driving <laughs> test, be more careful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then my final question is favorite cartoon character. Oh... Can I go back to the distant past, or does yeah. it have to be somewhat contemporary? You can go, you can say whatever the cartoon character you want. Um, I used to really like a cartoon um, called Dastardly and Muttley. The dog was Muttley, and they were in a, a show called Wacky Races, where there were these fantastic contraptions uh, racing every every episode and. Oh, Muttley would have this uh, sort of kind of funny, slightly cynical laugh 
that he would do, and he would kind of lampoon his, uh, you know, his sort of owner, who was uh, a bit of a rotten guy and, and would never win. So Muttley was just kind of mocking him from the sidelines. It was, it was uh, something I enjoyed as a kid. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Dixon, for being the guest on my show. Thank you, Alex. That was wonderful. My mom said that putting me in David Lubin was one of the best decisions she has ever made in, for my academic and social growth. I think it, I think it was because the school become, I mean, the school welcomes everyone. Mr. Dixon, do you have any announcements and how would you like to end the show? We're just looking forward to Thursday and the start of a, a, of a wonderful school year here at David Lubin. I just, I really appreciate what you said, Alex, because, you know, in the end, it, it, it really matters what our students think of, of their experience at David Lubin. And I appreciate you sharing your perspective, not just with me, but with uh, our community. Thank you. Okay, so stay tuned for another episode of the Alex Weeks Podcast. I am your host, Alex Grievous, and I'll be back with another community. Bye.